lock on the door Just get away where your worries won't find you If you like, well I'll tell you more Don't let the day get the better of you When the evening comes there's so much to do You better put on your best and wear a smile Just come along with me a while Cause I'll tell you Sure, you'll be tapping your feet because the beat is the greatest thing. All around there are girls and boys, it's a swinging place. A cellar full of noise has got an atmosphere of its own somehow. You gotta come along right now. That's Petula Clark singing I Know a Place from the mid-60s, and this is podcast 307, entitled Sacred Space. And I really have, uh, have been given something to say that I have never said before in a podcast. It came upon me, uh, but I checked it out in terms of all sorts of uh, material, and uh, it, it seems to hold water. As a matter of fact, it really um, it's an attempt to illuminate a little bit more of your emotional life, your actual emotional life. I was so struck reading an article about someone who had taken their own life last week, and um, this person, who was obviously a terribly, terrible to be suffering human being with great tragedy in their life on every front, nevertheless gave no real indication until just before the terrible event. And so many people are being worn down internally by tremendous uh, conflicts and states of mind and pain and profound sorrow and alienation and just suffering uh, that they don't feel able to express. And I want to really once again get a little bit closer, you might say with a scalpel, to the points of real emotion inside you and uh, try to illuminate that. And so I call it uh, sacred space, which is usually a phrase that makes me roll my eyes, still does, because there is a kind of sacred space within memory that can help illuminate your true feelings about many things and can possibly... I don't know, pave the way for assimilation. And assimilation of negativity, as Frank Lake used to always say, is the only real answer of dealing with pain, especially past pain, which many people are carrying. Now, um, this insight, you might say, came when I was reviewing a theme in my own new book, uh, The Boomer's Handbook, Peace in the Last Third of Life, a Boomer's Handbook of Hope, and the um, question of songs, all these songs I keep talking. One person is a very great guy, um, didn't like it initially because he said there are too many songs. He said he knew all the songs, but he just too many songs. But uh, I said, yeah, but what's wrong with that? I mean, well, it certainly can be done badly, and I plead guilty. But um, the song, certainly for guys and even for women, although they don't tend to get as focused on the title and the 
act, the performer and the group and when it came out. Guys tend to be very interested in sort of the context of the song, but whether you're male or female, it's the song that is connected with some kind of efflorescence or deep effusion of feeling inside you that came almost always, but not entirely, but probably in connection with connection, in connection with another person, love, romantic love, in connection sometimes with rejection by another person, the deep feeling of rejection which makes certain songs and times in your life so mournful and painful. Faded photographs, souvenirs of old love letters, ribbons torn in half, traces of love that didn't work out right, you know, uh, um, rejections, and also sometimes feelings of great... um, exuberance and uh, your cup runneth over, you know, many different forms of feeling, but these need to be tagged because these are really where you live. I often say it's like a Doppler effect map. You know, you look at these maps of the weather channel of where is the, the, the precipitation coming at this point or the wind, and you see that certain bubbles in certain deepening colors of from orange to brown to dark, dark, dark reflect deeper and deeper, more negative weather conditions. And there are certain, if you do a Doppler effect map of your, your life, you'll find that <clears throat> there are certain periods in your life where the storms were intense almost to the point of being a hurricane or tornado and other times where there was sort of a long period of synthesis or maybe even of an amnesia that was then triggered by something else that happened and then all of a sudden the Doppler effect is like that map again of storms all over the United States at any given point and the song is kind of a of a of a of a picture of that let me give you some examples some um, I'm thinking the song uh, by John B. Sebastian. Uh, I think it was his first solo album, and the song was called Magical Connection. Now, when I think of that album, I think of that song, I think of the spring of uh, my junior year in college, and a, an absolute, um, I was just just hung up on a young lady who was a uh, freshman, in fact, at Wellesley College. And I was just every single chance I had, I would go and get the Peter Pan bus downtown near Shreve, Crump and Low, or as we used to call it in college, Heave Lunch and Blow. <laughs> we, there was a place you could go to the, on the metro in, uh, in Boston and by Shreve, Crump and Low, you could get a Peter Pan bus over to, uh, to Wellesley. And I would plead my case about twice a week with this young person who I very was very drawn to and uh, but when I think of the song Magical Connection I think of her uh, it was a magical unconnection but I think uh, of the place I inevitably think of um, waiting for that bus and recently I was up in Boston the guest of Drake and Sarah Ritchie not recently but a few years ago and I happened to find myself standing waiting for Drake to pick me up very kindly near MIT and it, it wasn't near the Shreve Comp and Low but it was at a place that I remembered very well another bus stop that I'd sometimes taken uh, of a weekday afternoon to go to Wellesley and um, all of us that song just came bang back uh, now, the song and the place are allied. I'll give you one other example. I was talking to a guy who I went to prep school with 55 years ago, a really wonderful chap, and he said, yeah, I've read your new book, The Boomer's Handbook, and I liked it, but, but the real reason I liked it, there's one reason I really liked that book, and I said, what is it, when?" He said, reeling in the ears. He said, you mentioned reeling in the ears. And I just think, you know, that was my that song just brings back so much for me. And as soon as you mentioned it, I said, oh, my gosh, I like this book. I'm all in. Reeling in the years. Now, I think of the reason I mentioned that in the book, if you've read it, 
doesn't make any difference, is that I would, that song would be playing in the spring of 1973 when uh, Mary would sometimes come pick me up because she had the car and I didn't where I was staying in Cambridge. <clears throat> and she, we'd go to the movies or go out to dinner or something. She'd pick me up and she drove pretty fast. She's a very good driver in Boston, are you kidding? And she'd drive fast in her wonderful car. And the song Real in the Years was on by Steely Dan. And so I inevitably associate that very, very happily with the tremendous effusion of feeling towards this wonderful young person. And I think of her car, I think of Memorial Drive, I think of someone else I knew who lived on Memorial Drive. And it, 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 so it's Memorial Drive because of the tremendous uh, eliciting of connective feeling that came out there with her. And the song is her, but it's her in a place. Now, this connects with something that Chad Bird can probably talk to you about better than I, but I know it's in the scholarship. Whether it's true or not is uh, a question I'm not going to answer, but I, I, I believe it is true. And this is the fact that in Old Testament scholarship, one of the things you learn from Gerhard von Rad, actually he's not the best person to mention, but there are a number of others, is that in the history of the Jewish people, a place drew upon itself tremendous association. In other words, some place, Joshua led the people across the Jordan, Mount Moriah and Abraham, something that happened near the Temple Mount, David um, uh, in Saul, uh, the plains of Megiddo. These places had enormous significance to the um, Israel because they were connected with something important that had happened that they associated with God, God's action in their life. And so the place was like a kind of magnet. It drew unto itself memories and associations that were all loosely or tightly connected with the incredible positive and sometimes negative event that had happened there. So uh, an event, you know, Megiddo becomes Armageddon and uh, uh, Mount Moriah becomes something else. And it becomes almost a, 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 the place and the experience are linked in the memory. And that's why we can say, well, the fact that, uh, you know, Peniel, uh, uh, Jacob wrestling with the angel. Um, these places are important because something really powerful and memorable and unforgettable happened there. And the same is true of the New Testament, Cana. No one really knows where Cana is. I mean, I think probably we do know, and Mary and I have actually been to Cana, I think twice, what probably biblical Cana, but it's not 100% certain. And the reason I... However, John uses the term the wedding of Cana. Something about the place is important, that the name, because it's specific. It makes something happen at Cana that was unforgettable. And so the name became associated with an unforgettable event and is there in the history of our... You know, we say in the... I marry people still, <laughs> preside at their weddings, and he's said at a wedding in Cana of Galilee, you know, man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his, you know, wife and become one flesh. That is extraordinarily relevant, the fact that there's a place. And so um, what I'm asking you to consider, what about the, uh, what about the song and the place and the memory. And I believe you'll find, if you ask yourself the question honestly about that Doppler effect of your life from age zero to age about 40, when it kind of stopped, in fact, because you just don't become, you, you, you're, you lose your, your sensate, your receptors just are weakened, for mainly because of your body and your brain. It's just, uh, you, you can't receive as much through the sensors of the five senses that you would, and the, therefore the emotions are not touched often in quite the same way, or if they're touched, they're touched more as evocations of something earlier, or repetitions, or even cyclical repetitions of a feeling you once had, rather than something fresh and new. But look at what was fresh and new. Look at that 
experience in college and the song that's associated with it. Many of you will know this. Just go on, go on YouTube and look at the comment section under any rock and roll song or famous top 20 song you want to name. And there are sometimes hundreds of comments and they all, not all, 90% of them go like this. I remember this song when I came from from school because my mom would play it and, or this song I associated with my first boyfriend. It was his favorite song. I God knows. Oh my God. I don't know. OMG. I don't know what happened to him. But whenever I hear this song, I think of that, that person and how young we were and how vulnerable we were. And I kind of cry and I wonder about him. How's he doing? Etc. And you just go down those comments and the song is associated with a person. And if you ask the person really, he or she would probably say, well, actually, it's associated with a, with a time and a place and a connection or a rejection. And that is what makes it so powerful. So that's really the uh, point of this, uh, this um, I know a place. So I'm asking you a little bit like, uh, you do, do a kind of um, Old Testament slash New Testament pilgrimage uh, inventory of your emotional life in terms of music or art. And I'll bet that you may discover that certain, it varies. Some people it's music, some people it's movies, some people it's poetry, some people it's literature. It can be an amalgam. But actually, myself, I would, I would want to say right up here now that the chief uh, associative mechanism among the arts for most people is probably music in some form. I mean, I think of that roommate I talked about who I love for two years in college, and I talk about the song um, Only the Strong Survive by Jerry the Iceman Butler from the early spring of 1970, and I don't just associate it with Archie, but I associate it with Archie getting ready for ROTC because we would have the radio on. For the, the, there was a station, I think, in Durham or Raleigh. I think it was a WKIX. I can't remember. RDU. And it was a Raleigh station. It was the big rock station. And we would be listening to it. And when I think of the song Only the Strong Survive, which is a wonderful song, I think of Archie clipping on his little navel, his tie for his ROTC um, um, is Rotsy Afternoons uh, two or three times a week at Chapel Hill, and I'm enormously touched because Archie was drowned right after we listened to that song in a freak accident on a Christmas vacation, or uh, actually it was a term break in the late winter of 69, 70. And um, it's not just the person, it's not just the harrowing sadness and the desolation and the tragedy and the real pain of his death. And I'm, I was just one person of many who felt it. Uh, and the, the, really the loss. But then the place. It's in our room in the Morrison Dormitory, number 713, and he's doing something. Now, that's the power of it. And I really wanted you to think about that and look at your emotional life that way. And if you look at the sort of Doppler effect, which songs can do for you, you will be the happy recipient of a kind of um, honesty and truth. I realized the other day, thinking about all these songs I associate with Mary and music, that they not only do they first and foremost have to do with a person, but they have to do with a person in a place, an actual thing that happened. And this becomes really why pilgrimage happens. People go to pil on pilgrimage because they go to visit a well, Ninian's Well in England or um, uh, a place, Lourdes, where Bernadette was... Um, the Our Lady gave Bernadette a remarkable vision. You go because something remarkable happened in that place, and you go because you want to be in contact where that where that was. John Ford in his movie. Uh, um, she wore a yellow ribbon. Um, it's very powerful because the widower, Captain, Captain Nathan Brittles of the U.S. Cavalry, played by John Wayne, almost every night he goes out to his wife's 
um, grave, which she's in a cavalry base, and she died, I think, possibly in childbirth or of yellow fever or typhoid. And both of his daughters and his wife are there in a little plot in the graveyard out behind the base or in the base. And he goes every night and talks to her there. And someone said, what is he doing? He said, well, he's going there because that's the last place she was. In other words, her body, her body is still there. And, and he, he, that's the nearest he can get to the real person. And uh, this kind of touches on the I don't know, the, it's a little Asian, but Paula says it all the time. She says, we are a spiritual being having an earthly experience. Now, when I first heard that, my sort of, you know, alarm bells, is that, is that Gnostic? Is that separating body and soul? No, it's just true. I've discovered it's true. Because when you die, if you've been to see dead people, I've seen a lot of dead bodies in my time, more than I wanted to. Not in trillions, but enough to know what a dead body looks like. And the person's not there. Something has departed. There is a separation. There is a distinction between the dead body. Yes, it may rise. We shall all be rise. And I understand that. And I'm with that. But at the moment you see the dead body, the person has gone somewhere else. The spirit or soul has departed. And uh, you really might say that the spirit or soul of you has been in your body looking desperately for a connection or in great, great distress over a rejection. And that uh, you, your spiritual being bumped against another spiritual being in a romantic connection or bumped against tragically and was rejected by in the electron atmosphere it bumped into somebody and then exploded and you were thrown out of the of the of what had been the chariot for two bicycle built for two and you were thrown on the ground and that person left and there you are and you're uh, that spirit being of yours experienced once again the profound inward loneliness in this body and uh, so um these experiences are really gauges of the real substance, power, and call of your true self. And if you can get in touch with those experiences, do it through songs. I'm, I'm suggesting that you do it through songs. You will discover where you really were, where you really were. And it may help you to know where you really are. And it might free you to become to live where you will be. I know that sounds like a cliche, but I do know you have that the feelings that the songs evoke are signals to that which is eternal in you, the part that you really want to get in touch with now. Well, that's a lot. And I'm going to conclude with another song, I think one of her greatest songs, by Pet Clark. These were all songs from 64, 65, 66. And this one is entitled, it's a very touching song. Listen to it. I think we'll hear it all. Don't Sleep in the Subway by Petula Clark. Love you! Pride, no.
Oh. 